Is a scientific talk about coyotes in the eastern United States something that would benefit from a soundtrack? Well, that's a hypothesis. Now, how to test it? I was just thinking that, you know, movies and TV shows all have soundtracks, and I give talks all the time, and how come I don't get to have a soundtrack? On this episode of the American Scientist podcast, adding a soundtrack to a scientific talk, I'm Robert Frederick. So I'm Roland Kays from the Museum of Natural Sciences and North Carolina State University. And I'm Aben Crawford. I uh, compose as Senator Jez. I run Reaching for Lucidity Records, and I also work at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. So who came up with this idea of pairing the two of you together? Uh, I think it was my idea to start with, and uh, I was just thinking that, you know, movies and TV shows all have soundtracks, and I give talks all the time, and how come I don't get to have a soundtrack? And so uh, I knew Avon is a, is a composer and makes some music that I already kind of liked and listened to, so we uh, got, to go, got together over coffee one day at the museum and cooked up this idea. I got to see only the fourth performance of this idea in Research Triangle Park, North Carolina. We've done this uh, at the museum once and um, at NC State twice. This time, it's at the local chapter meeting of Sigma Xi, which publishes American Scientist magazine. Now, I've been to many scientific talks before, but none with a DJ set up alongside it. So today, I'm going to be talking about coyotes, and I think coyotes are um, a really amazing and interesting creature. And Crawford starts by adding what I'll call ambient music. Not distracting at all, but gives the talk a little, for lack of a better word, a little space. Case describes it this way. There's one other thing that I like about doing this is that I can stop talking and just be quiet and let the music go and let a point sink in. And you can't really do that if you don't have music. Because normally in a talk, if you stop talking for 30 seconds, that would be really, really weird. But now with the music, I can kind of step aside, let the music take, take center stage a little bit, and have people just kind of ruminate on the point a little bit more. So I really like the ability. That adds kind of a whole new part to the scientific presentation that you really couldn't do without music. And Case lets the point really sink in after describing a circle hunt, an illustration of which he has projected on the screens behind him. The image is dated from the 1800s, and the soundtrack, well, it's not just music. And they would have um, dozens or even hundreds of men and boys with guns and dogs and bells and whistles, and they'd start in this giant circle of land that they wanted to clear of wildlife. And they would drive all the animals into the center, and they would shoot them. And you can see here, there's a frozen river. This was done on Christmas Day, and you can see these different... um, uh, guys climbing in trees, some of them, to shoot downward so they wouldn't hit the guys coming from the other side. And uh, the caption, if you can't read it down here, says, a lively rattle of musketry took place. My goal and what I'm trying to do is draw people in. Again, Avon Crawford. To get them involved emotionally with what he's saying. So that's where, my, that's where the music side comes, uh, kind of to set a mood and that's, that's why we go through several things. We've got some dark sections. We definitely have some fun sections in there. But it's just to set a mood and uh, just make people pay attention more to him. And it appears to work. In the talk, Case presents some pretty technical science, including how researchers have been able to tease apart the background of the eastern coyote to find that it is genetically part wolf, genetically part dog, and also how it has spread across the eastern United States. For the wolf, 
um, being extirpated from almost all of the lower 48 states. They were originally they covered the entire area, and by 1960 there were a few wolves hanging on in Minnesota and Upper Michigan, and maybe a little bit in Wisconsin, just up there uh, by 1960. Um, uh, there were still some in Canada, there were still some in uh, Alaska, there were still some in other parts of the world, but in North America, in the lower 48 states, they were almost driven out. And in this time period, um, right around here... He points to a spot on a map at the northern border of Wisconsin. Somewhere around 1960, or maybe, maybe even before that, there was something very special that happened. Um, and we think it went something like this. There would have been one of the last wolves, and she would have been out there in the forest, Mating season was coming along, and she couldn't find any other wolves to mate with because there were so few wolves around. But... And at this point, projecting a picture of a lone wolf in a forest, images of coyotes start popping onto the screen, timed with suggestive music. There would have been some coyotes around. And, you know, if you can't find... The, you know, sometimes you just have to take the best thing that you can get. And this is what happened, right? Coyotes and wolves don't want to breed together. But when you're down to the last, last wolf in the woods and there's a bunch of coyotes running around, you will, they will hybridize. And we know that this has happened. So when you have a coyote and a wolf and you cross them, you get a first-generation hybrid that is half wolf and half coyote, right? Just like you are half your mom and half your dad. Um, but what happened after that is they back-crossed with the wolves. And you end up with an animal that is mostly wolf with a little bit of coyote mixed in. This hybridization event also backcrossed into the coyotes. So you ended up with um, an, the, uh, some other coyotes breeding with this hybrid, and you end up with an animal that's mostly coyote with a little bit of wolf mixed in. Which happened again when the first coyote with a little wolf mixed in crossed from Canada into New York. Here's our coyote with a little bit of wolf genes mixed in. First one to enter into some county, springtime, wants to mate, there's no other coyotes around, but there were dogs. And again, they're in the same genus, a couple more clicks here, a couple more horny dogs. Um, and uh, we know from the DNA, it was uh, a female coyote, because we all find all female mitochondrial DNA uh, and male dogs. Um, and, uh, and indeed, she took the best that she could get, so you would have had an animal that had a little bit of wolf, but mostly coyote, dog, and then that back crossed into the coyote populations, and you end up with what we have today in the Northeast. And this is a gene scan of a coyote from the Northeast. This is, uh, for you biologists out there, a SNP panel, 48,000 SNPs. Um, and uh, you can see it's mostly coyote, 84 or so percent coyote, with sort of 5 to 10 percent wolf on average, 5 to 10 percent dog on average mixed in there, spread throughout, right? So today, we don't see hybridization with dogs today. We don't see hybridization between wolves and coyotes today because they're both relatively more common, and so they're not so so uh, they're not so desperate. What would you say is sort of the overall audience that you're pitching this talk to? Well, the audience is um, uh, people who are interested in coyotes, and um, there's a lot of reasons that people can be interested in coyotes, and so we try to sort of touch on two of those. One is their sort of origins in evolutionary biology and their hybridization, which has led to all kinds of interesting biology stories. And then the other is, well, what about the coyotes and me and my backyard and my pets and all those kinds of things? And so we try to, try to touch on those as well. And they are sort of mysterious and adaptable, and they are new to North Carolina. So we find there's a lot of people who, who have questions about coyotes, and so we try to sort of address some of those that we think they're coming in with. Abon, by the way, I'm thinking about maybe a, a new topic we could do eventually, but uh, right now it's still uh, running with the coyote story.
Did you even know that he was planning on a new one? Roland is full of surprises. <laughs> he lives an interesting life, and he has a lot of surprises. <laughs> okay, well, thank you both very much. Great. Thanks for having us here. Roland Kays is a zoologist and head of the Biodiversity Research Lab at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences. Avon Crawford is a digital media technician at the museum, composes as Senator Jez, and runs Reaching for Lucidity Records. You've been listening to a podcast from American Scientist magazine, published by Sigma Xi, the Scientific Research Honor Society. I'm Robert Frederick. Thank you for joining us.